Welcome to Peace by Believing with John Redmond, Associate Pastor of First Baptist Church in Pasadena, Texas. If you can, please open your Bible to the Old Testament book of Jeremiah, chapter 2, as our special guest, Senior Pastor Dr. Charles Redmond, looks to Scripture to answer the question, what should America do? History has a way of repeating itself. It really does in many areas. Oftentimes, we don't learn from history very well. And such is the case with what we look this morning in the book of Jeremiah. Our scripture today in the book of Jeremiah deals with the people of Judah. And during Jeremiah's day, the people in Judah were living a very prosperous life. They were living a blessed life. I mean, it was just a great time to be alive and to be in that place. In fact, they, they had gotten to the place where they just felt like they were indestructible. Now, in that situation, what God did, God called a man, even before he was born, we learn in the book of Jeremiah, he called him to be a prophet to the people. And Jeremiah was born, and Jeremiah began, and years later, to tell the people of Judah. You and I would say he was like the preacher of the town. He was the preacher of the place. He was the preacher of the day. And he was saying to the people there, his own people, if you do not turn from your sins and repent, the judgment of God is going to come. And as you read through the book of Jeremiah, it's really a, a very sad thing. In fact, Jeremiah is known as the weeping prophet. And he's referred to as a weeping prophet because he continued to be faithful, proclaiming, turn from your sins, or the judgment of God is going to come. But no one seemed to be listening. It's like they had on earplugs, earmuffs. They just continued to joy the good life they were living. But here's what happened. The judgment of God did come. And in 586 B.C., before the birth of Christ, King Nebuchadnezzar and his army marched into Jerusalem, and they took a great majority of the Jewish people and deported them back into Babylonian captivity. And you say, well, how in the world did a thing like that happen in Judah? Well, I'll tell you exactly how it happened. Spiritually, they were asleep. Now, that's the situation there then. Now, you know, when I, when I think about your country and my country and our country today, I, I think there's much similarities here. We're living in a great country in a great time. We're very blessed. We're very prosperous. I fear sometimes we think we're indestructible. And God has His Jeremiah's today saying the same thing to God's people today that the prophet was saying to the Jewish people in his day, unless you people turn from your wicked ways and turn to God, one day the judgment of God is coming. And, and, and here's the similarity, though. <laughs> today, my opinion, you form your own opinion. 
I think it is fair to say that the great majority in America today, listen carefully, are spiritually asleep. We just spiritually asleep, just like the people of Judah. You see, when people become spiritually asleep, they don't know they're spiritually asleep until something happens, until the Holy Spirit moves and works in a way only He can. And then spiritually they wake up and they look and see how it's been. Well, that is where we are in our scripture this morning, and I think it will be a very helpful message to us. But you know, as I think about America, years ago, spiritually, things were very different than they are today. In fact, I went and did a little homework on the spiritual condition of the 13 original colonies. And let me just read a two or three little things very quickly to you. Rhode Island, for example, had etched into their charter, and I quote, we submit ourselves, our lives, our states unto the Lord Jesus Christ, the King of kings and the Lord of lords, and to all those perfect and most absolute laws given by his holy word. That's, that's, that's Rhode Island. I, I looked up Delaware. What, what did their charter say? And I quote, formed for the further propagation of the Holy Gospel. Maryland's charter, and I quote, formed by a pious zeal to extend the Christian Gospel. <laughs> Connecticut, in their charter, etched to preserve the purity of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Would you not say it was a little different then than it is now? And you say, well, how in the world did all this happen? How did all this happen? Well, numbers of things brought it about, but one of the huge things that brought all this change about took place on June the 17th, 1963 when the United States Supreme Court declared that school-sponsored prayer and Bible readings was unconstitutional. Now, you and I are familiar with that. We may have forgotten when it was exactly. But now, let's just put this in perspective. Sixty years ago, that took place. That's when, the, that's when that happened. Bible's out of school, prayer out of school, pretty much, well, you could say this, the true God out of school. Teachers, teachers can't go around talking about God in public schools because the law is against that. And I understand that. I hurt for them about that. Many of them great Christians and they want to do more than they can do. Well, we have to obey the law of the land. That's what Christians should do. But now, I thought about this. I thought, well, how, how, how's this, what kind of impact has this made? Well, okay, l listen carefully. I did a little more research on like how were the schools, what was the condition, what was it like to be in school in the United States 60 years ago in public schools? What were the problems they had? Let me read just some of them 60 years ago. The biggest problems in school then, kids chewing gum in class. 
failure to put scrap paper in the trash can, too much noise in the halls, students talking during class. There was trouble in River City if a kid chewed gum in class. Now, 60 years later today, this is, this is, this is where we are. How things in our schools today, shootings in schools, vandalism of school property, sexual abuse by teachers and students, drugs in the school, sex in the hallways. All this is the result that always comes when we get God out of things. Okay. Now, as I thought about that, I thought about the situation back in Judah. They, they were, <laughs> the specifics were different, but the situation was the exact same. And this old prophet Jeremiah, he dealt with it. And I want you to look with me in Jeremiah chapter number two. And let's begin reading in verse 26, and I'll work my way down to what I want us to focus on this morning. Jeremiah chapter two, verse 26, he says, as the thief is ashamed when he is found out, so is a house of Israel ashamed. They, their kings, their princes, their priests, even their prophets, <laughs> say unto a tree, look at this, you're my father. I mean, the Jewish people, they, they still believed in God, but they began to worship God all sort of idols. They're worshiping, they're worshiping a tree. And to a stone, they say to a stone, you gave me birth. They said, this big stone here is my mother. The tree is my father. What we have here is spiritual adultery, and God is condemning it. And then, in the last part of verse 27, Jeremiah quotes God. And here's what God had to say to them, and I think it's exactly what God has put in my heart. He's saying to me and to all of us, especially the believers, they have turned their back to me and not their face. I have that underlined in my Bible. I have it highlighted in my Bible. Here was the problem. They've turned their back to God and not turn their face to God. And you know, that was God's word to them then. That is God's word to us now. You see, like Judah, what, like, like Judah, America has rejected the word of God. Turn over in chapter 8, and I'll just let you, I'll show you the verse. You can go back and dwell upon it later. But in Jeremiah chapter 8 in verse 9, look in the B part of that verse. It says, Behold, they have rejected the word of the Lord. That was said to Judah. That is as true, if not truer, in our day, right where we live. People just, I mean, you know, it might mean this, it might mean that. I know it applied then. It's just the most amazing thing, and this is what's happened to it. They rejected the word of the Lord. Like Judah, America is no longer ashamed of its sin. Look with me in verse 12. 
in, in verse number 12, it says, when they were ashamed, when they had committed, were they ashamed when they committed abomination? No, they were not at all ashamed, nor did they know how to blush. You know, in, in everything, you know, the question is, will, will church in America ever get back to what it was before COVID? Well, in years to come, there'll be those who can answer that question. I have my opinion of that. I think it won't ever get back to where it was if it spends all of its energy trying to reach its already members that were nominal to start with to get them to come back. Look, we, we, we want everybody to come back, but what we need to do is what we are doing, reach people that need to Jesus. Focus on reaching the unchurched. Welcome everybody back. Encourage them to come back. But listen, folks, whatever energy and life I have left, I'm not going to spend my energy in my life pleading with backslidden Christians to come back to church. I probably do better to plead with those that think they are Christians that are backslidden. Many of them never have known Jesus to start with. But this is our situation. We just, we're not ashamed. And that was Judah's situation, and it's a situation now. Now, someone says, well, how in the world a thing like this happen? I mean, how, how in the world could we, we drift into what we're into now? I'll tell you exactly how. The devil. The devil. Have you ever looked in the Bible at all the different names of Satan? I mean, he's called by so many, the roaring lion, the tempter, the accuser of the brethren, the father of lies, the prince of the power of the air, the deceiver, and the list goes on and on. Let me tell you something Satan is. To my knowledge, I don't see the word in the Bible saying this is one of the names of the devil, but this is what the devil does. The devil, listen carefully, is a pervert. He perverts things. He outsmarts us. He really does. You say, well, how does he do that? Well, for example, what he does, he takes whatever God said and did, and he perverts it. Example, marriage. God said that marriage is between, should be between a man and a woman. Well, most of us growing up never imagined ever be any other kind of way. What did the devil do? He just perverted it. Today, Men marrying men, women marrying women. You say, how do want a thing like that happen? The devil, he just, he, he's a perverter. Not the rainbow. The rainbow, God said the rainbow was a symbol of a promise he made. What did the devil do? He's the perverter. He's the great pervert. Today, he's perverted the rainbow, the symbol of a promise God made, Today, what is it? Well, today, it, it's now a gay symbol. We, we, just, we don't realize what's happening. We, you see, when you're asleep, you don't know you're asleep. Spiritually, we're just sleeping through things and don't realize what's happening. Uh, you take the Lord's Day. God said, now here's what God said. God said the Sabbath is the Lord's Day. Okay. What did the great perverter do? He said, no, the Sabbath is man's day. Just, you know, it's, a, it's just people just do whatever they want. We, we just don't, we've forgotten what God said and what God did because why? The great perverter has perverted it into all of these things. Now, here's the, here's the encouraging part. And this is, this is really what I, and we'll, we'll do it 
quickly together, but the question is, can we do anything about it? There is a solution to this mess. And as always, the solution comes from God. Can I have an amen? You're one person. You say, well, I can't do anything. That's not what God says. Look in 2 Chronicles chapter 7, verse 14. And here's the solution right here. The solution is in the first three words in 2 Chronicles chapter 7, verse 14. And here they are. If my people, now we're talking about believers. We're not talking about the unsaved. God is saying, if my people will do what? who are called by my name, will do what? Will humble themselves. Let's stop at that point. In your bulletin, the solution, first of all, is that God's people humble themselves. That's talking about you. That's talking about me. I'm, a, I'm one of God's people. You're one of God's people. The solution is the people of God. That's it. That's the reason we can do something about it. The, the solution in America, listen carefully, is not to get the right person in the White House, even though that's important. The solution to where we are in America is to get people right that are in God's house. That's you. That's me. We have to humble ourselves. You say, what do you mean humble yourselves? I mean admit our sins to God. Ask his forgiveness. You say, well, we're already a Christian. Yes, and I am too. Do you ever think about your, your sins? You see, God's recording them. If you don't repent of them and turn from them and make changes needed, like one day you will stand before God and give an account for how you've lived your Christian life, what you've done. You say, well, uh, you know, I know that. Well, look, folks, I don't know where you are in the journey of life, but, and I say this, I say this thankfully, like, unless miracles take place, many of us in the room, and I'm in the group, I like, I sure live more years than I will live. I'm nearer the end today than I was yesterday, and so are you, and one day, I'm going to stand before God about how I've lived my life. And if we're not careful, we are more hypocritical than we think we are and what Christians do. We're good at pointing the finger at the sins of others rather than pointing the finger at our own sin nature. And you know, when you do that, when's the last time you've done that? I'd have to say that I, I identify with the old Apostle Paul. He said, oh, wretched man that I am. I mean, I, I know you want to think your pastor's perfect, but I know also you know better. I've been here so long, you know most of my sins, but you don't know them all. I don't know your sins. I know some of you, you're cantankerous, kind of at times but God knows everything about you God knows everything about me God knows things about me Donnie doesn't know I'm not talking about immoral things I mean Donnie could tell you my weaknesses and you'd be here till sundown well so for you but we just can humble ourselves 
That's step one. Think what would happen if all of God's people got honest about their spiritual condition. Revival could come. Look what else this verse says, though. Not only humble them, but pray. But pray. The solution for America is for God's people to pray earnestly and faithfully. You know, how, how, much, how much do you really pray for America? We need to really get serious praying for our country. Could I have an amen for that? If God's people will humble themselves and pray, and then it says, if, they will, if they'll seek my face, the solution for God, from God's people to make things different is seek God's face. That just means to have a longing for God. And then look at the rest of this verse. And turn from their wicked ways. The solution is that God's people will turn from their wicked ways. And then God promises, I will hear from heaven. I will forgive their sins. And I'll heal their land. We need to get on our knees and have a longing for God and pray for God to heal our land. That's what we need to do. And the reason this sermon is so dear to me, I'm not doing good at this. I'm the pastor of the church, and I'm not praying like I should for my country. I love my country. I do love my country, and you love your country. It's our country, and we do love it. When we leave it, there's just that good feeling when we come back. We're home. We're home. It, it's not the presence of sins of unbelievers that brings God's judgment. It's not only that. That's, that's what we preach all the time. It's, it's the, all the sins of the unbelievers bringing the judgment of God. Well, it's not only that. It's not only the presence of the sins of unbelievers that will bring God's judgments. Listen, it is the absence of righteousness of God's people that's going to really bring the judgment of God. You say, where did you get that from? The Bible. Sodom and Gomorrah. You remember the story? Had that deal, if I can find this number and that number, finally, finally got down to 10. God, if, if we can just find 10 people in Sodom and Gomorrah, will you not destroy Sodom and Gomorrah? He couldn't even find 10 righteous people in Sodom and Gomorrah, and he destroyed it. It was not only because of the sins that were going on in Sodom and Gomorrah. It was because of the absence of righteousness on the part of people that were right with God that weren't living that way in Sodom and Gomorrah. Now, I want to just say this morning as we kind of think about where we land in all this, where do we land in all this? Well, where we land in all this today is, is very simply, if, if for some reason this morning you say, I want to be part of what I can do to change America. You've got it in your little outline right there. We start on our knees. We begin to pray. We don't start out praying, God, change everything in Washington. No, that's not the starting place. For me, for you, if we'll be honest, I'd have to say, God, before I get trying to pray about what's happening in Washington, I need you to change what's inside me. God, I want to humble myself. 
I won't admit things in my life that's not like they should be. Now, if you're a Christian, jot this verse down, Hebrews chapter 12, verse 14. I suggest you might make this verse one of your goals every day. And that tells us to pursue peace with all people. But that's not the end of that verse. And then it says, and holiness, and holiness, without which no one will see God. We hope that today's message has been a blessing to you. You can find this message, What Should America Do?, along with many others under the broadcast tab on our website, www.peacebybelieving.org. Thank you for joining us today, and we look forward to you being with us on the next Peace by Believing with John Redmond.